Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast by Beach Commute. Today, we've got Jeff and Marissa, and we are going to talk about something. I'm just going to go off the rails today. Marissa's going to try to keep me in. Um, we're going to talk about something. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how this one goes, right? <laughs> She's a little nervous for a good reason, because once I start getting, I start digging into something, I kind of don't let go. Uh, today, we're going to talk about return to office, and specifically, we're going to talk about six manipulative reasons why companies are telling you to return to office. We are seeing all kinds of stuff in the news. We're seeing trends, whereas people are bringing people back into the office. And we're also seeing the reasons associated with them. And the purpose of this episode is we want to debunk a lot of these. To put it in a nice way, a lot of them are bullshit. And we're going to dig into why each one of these reasons are bullshit just so that you're not, if you're getting that return to office mandate, if you're getting that notice from your company, you have a little bit of ammo to look into it and say, wait a minute, maybe I'm being lied to because I can't stand it when somebody lies about something and gets away with it. I feel like it's a, <laughs> it's an injustice. And I, I think we need to set things straight and um, we'll, we'll see if we are able to do it in one episode. Marissa's got her fingers crossed <laughs> that we can get it done in one episode because I will not be done with it if it's not the case. Um, but we're going to, we're going to do our best. We've got some data, we've got some bullet points to talk through and uh, we just want to set the record straight. But before I start going off the rails, Marissa, just give you a moment to <laughs> take a deep breath. <laughs> How are you doing? Like breathe, meditate. Mm -hmm. um, I am okay. You might hear I am a little bit sick. I feel okay, but I've got a, quite a raspy voice, a cough. Um, every time I laugh, I just start coughing. So um, maybe there will be some editing out of that in this in this episode, or you'll just hear me cough a lot because when when Jeff goes off the rails, I just laugh. So this is a great episode to, to do this way because I'm going to do a little less talking than normal. Well, who's, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how much I have to say on the matter. But I'm super excited to hear Jeff's rant. <laughs> we call it a rant. It's my joke. But in all legitimacy, um, there is a lot about this, the return to office. You know, there was a whole freedom of, you know, post-COVID once people were working remotely and excited about it. And, you know, during those first, I would say, you know, that first year of COVID, it was like, oh, wow, everyone can do their jobs this way. It is just as productive. And then slowly everyone's like, just kidding. Like you have three months and then you must return to office. And so I've had a lot of clients come to me who are really unhappy to say like, I have this freedom, it's now been taken away. I don't know what to do. I, I don't wanna leave, but they're making me go back to the office. So I think I'm going to leave. There's a lot of that. So we just wanna talk about the reasons most people say they want you to come back to the office and some truths um, about it backed by some research that Jeff has done. Again, I'm your, I'm your qualitative person. I go by, by feelings and emotions. Jeff likes the data and the reasons, so he's done that research I might there. match you on this one. There's a lot of feelings and emotions coming coming from my, my side of the table on this one. So Yes, and um, Diego's on the opposite side of the world as us right now, so it's a little bit harder to get the podcast episodes with him from time zones. But Diego, we want to dedicate this episode <laughs> to you <laughs> because we know how much you love Jeff's rants as well. So we wish you were here with us. And... Um, also, Jeff, we're matching again today. I feel like we've done this several times by accident. We it's are. Kind of, both like got our navy V-neck ish on. Well, right? this is yeah. this is like look at us. This is brave for me. This this is really this is dangerous. This is an actual color. Usually, it's like shades of I know, gray me to too. black, and I'm actually wearing a a real know, to life right? color. I know. I'm really feeling. I know. So it's, it's a wild day for both risky. of us. Yeah, <laughs> month of November is really bringing it out in me. I know, right? I'm in. I'm home now, okay. so I'm in well, my safe space. So I'm wearing I was gonna my say, tell us, yeah, tell uh, us about where you are, how you're feeling, what you're up to before before we go off, and yeah. then we will we will take our <laughs> rocket launch away. Yeah, I, I just got back to the states. I'm in uh, the North Bay, California. Um, got in Sunday Sunday morning. Um, so it's been it's been four months. Did four months and lived in six countries. And I'm I'm ready to wow. be here. I'm good. We've talked about this before. There's certain things with like I I'm not I don't fit that mold of full time digital nomad like some of our friends that just picked up stakes and left four years ago and never returned. I I like <laughs> I like every three months right. four months come home and. Just the comforts of it, yeah. you know? It's just like we've talked about certain products that you like, certain, like, you know, clothes that you've left at home and sweater weather and, yeah, seeing family. I love seeing family and I love seeing friends and just the comforts of the familiar are, are great for a little while. And I'm I'm really, really going to dig into that over the next, 
probably through the holidays. I'm thinking I don't pick up again until maybe. Yeah, totally fine with that. I used to run out the doors like I got to get out of here. It's like now I'm kind of trying to enjoy both as much as I possibly can and just get a little bit of balance. Yeah, and that's only really a month and a half home for you, maybe like close to close to two months, a little less than two months. So you're there for Thanksgiving, the December holidays, New Year's, I don't know, and then back out on the road. So it's it's not that long, but I love that you share this part and, and I feel the same way for sure. It's like, I think you and I are similar in that way. It's like, we'll leave for a couple months, have some adventures, come home for a month or two, leave for a couple months, come home for a month or two, and it feels pretty good. So I like having that sort of mix and it's it's nice to know that you can have that option as a nomad. It doesn't mean you have to be gone 12 months of the year. You can kind of like come and go as you please, which is cool. Yeah, and people go through different yeah, chapters where you, you went through a phase where you were traveling through a country every two days for six, seven months. And then <laughs> yes, I did. been on a recharge yeah. and maybe you'll go back. Yeah, it's like Digital Nomad is a wide spectrum of, uh, of activity and travel so it, it ranges yeah. it's like yeah, yeah it's it's different what about what's going on out in atlanta um so actually i got to see a lot of nomad friends here in atlanta weirdly so normally i see all my nomad friends traveling the world and i almost like had never seen i say a quote travel friend in the states before i guess because i was almost never home but now that i've been here so last week i had uh two of our friends from south africa like that i met uh, one of them i met in Thailand in 2018 and have traveled all over the world with. Uh, he was in Atlanta. And then our friend Lisa, who's doing some work for us on Beach Commute. Hey, Lisa. Um, she was here. For, so she's also from South Africa. So they were both here. So I've actually been seeing nomad friends in Atlanta, like real real travel friends from the wild. They're coming like, to you. <laughs> who are visiting nice. Atlanta. Coming to me. So I've stopped traveling and they've come to me, yeah. which is which is awesome. And then I'll, I'll hit back into the world soon. Mm. So yeah, I'm also just, it's like feeling fun here around holiday time i've been seeing a lot of family have like a going away this weekend for friendsgiving with a bunch of my high school friends so it's actually really nice to be home for a little bit yeah are you gonna head back to playa at some point after the holidays maybe i'm actually heading to costa rica in january so that will be that's a still a yearly thing right so it has become so yet last year was the second year we did that timing so i guess this will be like the third annual tradition of going i go with my family and then a bunch of my high school friends everyone pretty much i'm going with this weekend all came down last year for the first time and they were like can we do this annually and I was like yeah this is my life why not come join me so we've made that I have like a back-to-back family high school friend annual tradition in Costa Rica now um which is really cool and then I'll probably stay there for a little bit and uh and then I have no I have no idea what next year holds for me so I'll just kind of see how you gotta get pictures out on the newsletter for that one because it's a beautiful place I've seen the pictures from from the specific place that you go to it's great yeah it's awesome. I'll send lots of Costa Rica pictures. So with that, um, as you guys can hear, whether we are working from home, from our home home, home in, in the States for us, or traveling the world, going back to... Okay, you're going to Argentina in January, right? Uh, I think probably a jump from uh, Colombia to Argentina. Yeah. That's right. Colombia, then Argentina, then I know you're back to Mexico. Yeah. So wherever it is you want to be, um, we want to share some reasons that we want you to have the freedom to do that <laughs> and not have to return to an office is that if that is part of your current life. Um, so yeah, let's, let's dig into it, Jeff. I want you to hop in with number one, what is one of the main reasons that employers will often tell to their employees of why they should come back to the office? Yeah. So there's, um, a lot of these things are disguised. Like the the reasons why they actually want you to come back to the office is disguised. So this number one, they're not going to outright tell you, but it's it's one of the reasons that you should be aware of. One of the motivating factors that's causing companies to say you need to come back to the office. They're going to disguise it under like creativity, productivity, or something like that. But if you follow the money, you will usually find the answer with a lot of these types of things. And the first one is is really, really logical that people haven't discussed a whole lot, is that when companies invest in real estate, whether they bought it or they rent it, is usually very, very long-term. It's usually very expensive because it's in major city centers. So a lot of companies have invested in really, really expensive leases, or they've actually outright bought the buildings in major city centers, and they're now vacant. If you go to downtown San Francisco, where I used to work, uh, it is an absolute ghost town. Since pandemic, the whole downtown financial district is, actually, is like completely wiped out. And that is 
insane amount of real estate. Um, to actually prove this point, CNN just released a report that says remote work risks wiping out $800 billion from the value of office buildings in major cities by 2030. Right. So in my little uh, micro example, we had an office in Boston, downtown Boston. It's like prime real estate. And that was running. It was they split it in half and they rented out half of it. But it used to be running about seventy thousand dollars per month for a relatively small office space. Companies have to justify those expenses because it's just wasted, especially if you've got investors and the investors are asking, well, where's that 70,000? Are you getting use of that money that we're handing you every single month to rent this prime, like downtown office building? And when the answer is no, it looks really, really bad. So whether it's useful or not, having butts and seats in an office feels like a good use of money and not having anybody in those seats feels like a bad use of money. So it's more of just like an optics thing. It really has nothing to do with how well the company performs or operates. It's just, we're wasting money and it feels bad to us. So they want to get people back into the office, <laughs> right? And I mean, it yeah. kind of it kind of makes sense. And it's, it's also kind of useless and kind of sneaky, which is one of the reasons I really, really hate this reason. I feel like <laughs> there should be a point where somebody says, oh no, I know what you're doing. Just cut your fucking losses. It's, <laughs> it's like, Right. This is the way things are. It reminds me a lot of like, you can see the end coming, but people just hanging on to the last shreds yeah. of what they've got control over. Kind of like um, when Uber came in and the taxi unions are trying to ban them. Like, we all know this is yeah. coming. This is way, way, way better. <laughs> Nobody wants right. to go in and live in a cell for nine hours a day under hospital lighting after commuting in a metal box for three hours a day. That's barbaric. That's fucking crazy. Like that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. We'll look back on this and say, oh yeah, we knew the end was coming, but they were just holding on. This is like the last death rattle yeah. before the inevitable Grass came. Life. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's a major reason. And I think we have to cross this hurdle of the leases expiring, people selling commercial real estate before that, before we're actually able to take a next step beyond point number one. And we've got five more points to talk through. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. What do, you, do you have any thoughts on that? I have, I have mm. many a thought, actually. The first Unload. one that came to mind, I didn't think I would, Jeff, but here here we are. I always do. I have opinions. Yeah. But the first thing that comes to mind with like the Uber example that you gave is is Blockbuster as well. So if you're international, um, I'm not sure if you probably had an equivalent, but for us in the States, we had a, there was a store called Blockbuster that our next generation will never know <laughs> of. And they sold like the VHS videotapes that you had to go to rent movies movies and they hung on for so long and then when Netflix came along and started just streaming and digital things like if Blockbuster had changed their model and just like cannibalized themselves basically right like they would have survived and changed with the times and they probably would would be who Netflix is today instead of Netflix so it kind of reminds me of that as well where it's like there's these older companies that just are holding on to this old business model of you know, be mm -hmm. here in an office because we couldn't communicate before the way that you can now. The second thing that came to mind was um, an economic principle, actually. I didn't know we we're going to get so intelligent with this with this episode, Jeff, but in economics, there's a principle called like the sunk cost principle, which is basically like you said, if someone has a lease and you are locked in for a long time, um, that is a sunk cost. Like that is a cost that let's say you can't get out of it doesn't mean you should make people use it still. It's like, that's done, it's there. And now how do you move forward with that? So it, like, instead, I feel like you're saying it's like for them to mentally sort of like justify using that space because that cost is there instead of saying, all right, that, that cost is put in. We thought we, you know, 10 years ago, we thought we were gonna need this for 20 years. Surprise, we don't. Now, what is the best way forward? And then just interesting, you talked about real estate and all of that. My brother actually um, in Atlanta works in commercial real estate, specifically like with office leasing and a bunch of different things. So it's really interesting to hear and see and witness like what's happening with that industry. Like in Atlanta, there are so many office buildings, some that you know started 10 years ago to be built out. And now it's like a beautiful building, beautiful space. And there's no oh, you're one saying the it, same right? thing. Like nobody, These new vacant people, office buildings in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, there's vac vacant office buildings, and some that were invested in, like because for so long there was a theme of like we need more uh, office space. There's, these cities are growing, companies are growing, and then you have these projects that started and now they're completed. But the times have changed post COVID and post just you know internet and and Zoom and 
all the you know slack and tools that we have that nobody's filling these spaces now so it's an interesting thing where you're saying like yeah we we are in support of team like don't go back to office you don't you don't have to you don't need to and I loved all the reasons you said of in your eloquent words of what was it like driving in a box to sit in a jail cell that's the gist yeah very very prisony vibes that's the gist of it under hospital lighting but um yeah it's like the times are changing and i have a lot of friends in new york and other places who like their companies are making them go back and i think you're Mm. right a lot of it is you know they'll justify it for many reasons which we'll talk about the next couple but um they have these office spaces that they're paying for and so they're like all right we've, we've got it we're gonna make people come and and be here and do that so i think that yeah, nicely talked. So kind of like the number one main reason why they're not going to tell you that, right? It's like people aren't so blunt and honest of like, all right, Jeff, mm-hmm. like here we are. I've, I'm paying all this for an office space. So I'm going to make you come in until this lease ends for the next 10 years. Like they're not going to straight up say that, but it is a big reason why a lot of people yeah. um, that like kind of underlying subconscious reason. So that's number one. Anything else before we move on? To no, number no. Number two is a reason that they will tell you. And the reason I think the, mm-hmm. the main one that they're leaning on is this push for productivity. They're stating yeah. that people are more productive in the office. And they're using two different methods for doing that. One is a gut feel thing. It's just like managers, <laughs> directors, CEOs feel like people that are present are more productive. You're present, you're productive. I think anybody with any common sense knows that's not true. We can we can debunk that. There's all kinds of reasons why people are less productive in an office. One, you get distractions, people walking by, talking to you, pulling away from work all the time. A lot of times there's just too many meetings, like pointless meetings. Also, people in offices, just because they're there, it doesn't mean they're actually working. I think the average productivity time yeah. during a normal workday is... Was it two hours and 45 minutes? Something like that. There's been studies on that. It was like two hours and 57 minutes of actual or productivity of time in your eight hours. Yeah. So even if you're yeah. there for eight, nine hours, yeah, people on, on average are only actually mm-hmm. working like two hours and 57 minutes, even though presently Absolutely. it's like an appearance. It's like the smoke and mirrors. Like I'm here. It looks like I'm doing yeah. something, but they're which, not. Which kind of... Makes sense. I see them in the office. It means they're productive. If I don't see them at home, you're going to assume people tend to assume the worst when they don't see when they read it, when they read a text and read it in their own tone. It's usually not going to be the same tone when they can't see somebody. They're going to assume that they're they're fucking off. It's the same problem with like (laughs) when we explain people first going remote, becoming a digital nomad. You have to counter that. You have to counter that by a ton. You have to overcompensate in every direction because people are going to make these assumptions. And it's the same thing people think that they're more productive it's just a gut feel type of thing we know that's yeah. not true uh, another thing that they're using is there's two or three studies out there that were conducted around june july that showed people were quote unquote more productive in the office problem is these studies are very very bad uh one of which was a they chose it's like a an in is a massive study in india for data entry people. And they, they studied to see how fast and accurate people were doing data entry into spreadsheets in India. <laughs> and they were like, it, it was like between 15% and 18% less productive. And that's problematic for so many different reasons. They're, they're not referencing they're not referencing where this study came from, which is problematic. Another thing is it's not reflective of a typical office environment. Data entry in in, in yeah. India is not a typical representation of what people are doing in an office. This is like a hand-selected niche area that's that's not like where most people are going are working remote. Most people are not working remote in India yeah. as, as uh, data entry. Another one that they're referencing all the time was, uh, again, this one was a, I'm just going to read it right off here, 10,000 workers in an Asian IT service-related company where they're working in a call center. And they rec- they saw a shortfall of 8% to 19%. Right? So there's a, a slight, the slight productivity issue with people working from a call center of missing their goals. Okay, again, the same exact problematic thing. Why are we using call centers and data entry types of benchmarks for establishing whether or not people are more productive at a home? And and also, why are we just using one location? We've got one in India, one in Asia. Very, very problematic. When you're using these statistics, and I'm like very, very big on statistics, well, you, you can tell a true story with a lie, basically. I, I can use statistics to tell you anything. 
And like technically, because it's statistics, <laughs> it's true. But you can paint these pictures with a false tongue. And that's exactly what's going on. And these things keep getting referenced. Well, people are more productive in the office than at home. Well, in this instance, yeah, but it's really a terrible example. You know, it's like, I guess I'm looking for an analogy that's not coming to mind, but it sounds legitimate. So when people say studies are coming out, that people are more productive, it's it's hard to refute that unless you actually dig into the source and go, wait a minute, this is not a legitimate, this is not a legitimate study, right? And on the flip side of that, we've seen plenty of studies where uh, people found that uh, people were more productive at home to a fault. Even we found that there's studies that show people are not giving it's going the opposite direction. People are working too much. They're working too many hours because they don't have any yeah. boundaries between their personal life and their home life. <laughs> and I'm guilty yeah. of that, uh, especially when For I first sure. started, I've gotten a lot better, but when I first started, yeah, yeah all of a sudden, wow, a uh, eight hour day turns into a 12 hour day. And that happens five days a week because the, <laughs> there's no disconnect. There's no, hard no there's stop. no hard stuff. And there's no yeah. physical disconnect between your work and yeah, between your home life. So it gets so it gets a little bit problematic. So uh, and then there's other things that factor into that. People working from home will say things that get out there in the wild like, oh, I've got time to do my laundry. I've got time to pick up my kids, stuff like that. And then these yeah. people that are pushing for return to office say, ha, gotcha. Like, I knew you were doing shit like that. <laughs> and but in reality, it's like, again, there's only three hours of productivity in the office that are actually happening. And if people are squeezing in like little breaks to do little stuff like that, doesn't mean they're less productive at all. It just means they're getting a little bit more life stuff done and they're probably making it up. Like I think what we're failing to acknowledge is most people are pretty honest. Most people are not liars. I think we strive to be honest as human beings. And I think a lot of people are just in this mindset where they're, I'm I gotcha mentality. Like I want to catch you not working. And you should be working all the time and appear productive. So, yeah, a lot of problems with this one. And I would say there's not a lot of good data on either side. Like, I'm not wholly impressed with the data that says go back to the office. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really too soon to say we've got good data on what people are doing at home. Um, We can say it's almost like a moot point here. It's kind of like pros and cons of both. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't use the data yet. Maybe it's not reliable yet. We'd have... Too little in either yeah. way. Okay, let me just end rant there and let you let you respond <laughs> to some of that noise. End, end rant. No, it's, it's lots of good information. I love that you shared the data both ways. And it basically, I have like a, a story of my time where I went from office and started working remote for the first time. But before that, I think there are kind of pros and cons to both of them here. I think there are some, I will give office people like a, a slight little bit here for a second and then I'm going to take, yeah. take it away. But... <laughs> Um, there is something to being in a good, <laughs> good. <laughs> there is something to being in an office to get getting to know your coworkers, mm. right? Like I think even if you are working that two hours and fifty seven minutes or whatever, there was times. So I think back to my corporate days at Pepsi, where it was like if I wasn't working, it was because my coworkers who had become really good friends were like dropping by my mm-hmm. office, we're talking about things. My boss would drop by and just talk about life or whatever it was. So I got to know people in a way that you kind of just can't it doesn't happen as organically i'll say when you work from you know remote from your computer and you don't just walk by and wave to the person on the hall and you know ask them how their morning was or whatever i think there is something to be said for that that being that being said there's also ways to get to know people over you know in your remote work and in your remote life and it's like does that make up for all the benefits that these people get from like you said not commuting not wasting, you know, your time in an office, not having to sit there, you know, being able to get your laundry done. So I know for me, so you gave all the the quantitative sort of facts, I'll give the qualitative example of that. So for me, I worked in New York uh, in Pepsi's office. I commuted an hour to an hour and a half, depending on traffic each day, both ways. So that was like a total of two to three hours of my day commuting to go to an office and spend my whole day, you know, in this like beautiful big office campus, but inside all the time. And um, there's a lot of times where, like you said, it's like I was just sitting there trying to do work and someone would walk by and talk to me. Someone would walk by and be like, hey, Marissa, I'm walking to this meeting. Like, you want to join? Like, and I didn't need to, but someone asked me and I felt like I should. And so I actually ended up, um, so that was like for almost like five years I did that. And then for two years, I worked for that same company 
um, but I got permission to work remotely from Los Angeles. So I had a partner at the time and took a job out there and I wanted to move with him and they gave me permission to do so. And when I first got there, like uh, my mind was blown because first of all, I had three hours back in my day that I could sleep longer, go to the gym and like bike to the beach to watch sunset like my quality of life just got infinitely like a gazillion times better for me personally right that doesn't mean the office is better but then I'm a happier person I'm a better person and I can work better in my opinion I also found in this day that suddenly I probably I actually did those three and a half hours of work that I had you know been doing in an office and then I suddenly had like five six hours of my day where I was just like I feel like I'm supposed to be working but like I've done everything anyone has asked me to do. I've done everything that I was doing the last like five Mm -hmm. years and I suddenly have so much time back. So it was wild to see. It was like, I still did just as much, but like, I just wasn't being pulled in all these useless sort of things. And again, there's the the other side of the argument where when I was gone, I wasn't getting to know people as well. I was, you know, didn't have those relationships with new people who came into the office who I had never met. So uh, to me, it's sort of a wash. Like there are pros and cons, but ultimately it's like the blockbuster Netflix effect to me because employee employees are so much happier, not in the office, right? Like my quality of life was better. Once I had that, I was like, why would I ever go back? I never want to. So In my opinion, if it's going to be a wash and kind of like there's pros and cons to both, but your employees don't want to be in an office, we're seeing that, again, this is me kind of quantitative or sorry, qualitatively seeing that you don't get to recruit as great of talent because those people are going to go where they have the freedom to work from anywhere. So I think what we're seeing and hearing kind of anecdotally is it's a big benefit for companies to be able to source global talent and source the best talent who gets these freedoms in life and is going to want to work for companies that are, you know, do give them the freedom and flexibility. Yeah. So any thoughts on, yeah, on just like any of that and then we can... Yeah, just, it made me think of something. Um, these There's a very black and white decision-making process happening right now. And it's like these blanket policies that says everybody comes back yeah. in, everybody goes hybrid, everybody goes remote. Yeah, I, I think you did a good job of being fair to both sides. And I think we should. And I think some people are not productive. <laughs> we are, we are sometimes I think fair. some people are not productive at home. And I think some people are more productive at home. Yeah. And I think some people are right down the yeah. middle and should probably get to choose. And I typically, I would say that office-based jobs are 99.9% of the time productivity-based. That's what you're measured on. How productive are you? So right. if you are capable and prove that you should be, you can work from home, why should you not be working from home? If you've proven that you right. cannot work from home, come into the office. I don't understand this treating everybody (laughs) like children. Like you all need to come back in because uh, John can't figure out how to (laughs) get on a Zoom meeting with a shirt on. Like that's, it it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's like um, Elon Musk came out and he basically said, everybody needs to come back in the office because it's not fair that some people get to work from home, have have the type of job where they can work from home and others don't. Well, you know what? I want to be a professional baseball player. That's also not fair. I got into a a sector of the job market that allows for this kind of thing. That's not my fault that some people have to go in and physically build the cars. Like, that's not my fault. Don't make everybody pay for their life decisions. I chose to get into this for a specific reason. Like, I I wanted to stop working with my hands. And no, it's not going to be fair. (laughs) So, tough, right? Like. We can't just make blanket <laughs> statements for everybody. There's a, there's a Jeff yeah. Grant. You can't just make blanket statements for everybody. It just doesn't, life doesn't work that way. And you're going to, it doesn't make everybody equally happy. It makes a lot of people pissed and a lot, and some people happy. Like it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't work. And then I feel like there's also the manipulation of the, the hybrid model that you said. Mm. So there's a lot of companies. I have a lot of friends in, in New York specifically, but just because I have a lot of friends who work there, but just overall in general, but There's companies who almost pretend to give you the freedom to work remote, but like Uh make you come in two to three days a week or one day a week. So it's like you can't really go to another country. You can't really travel. You can't really be somewhere else because you actually do have to go in sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's like there's still this weird. They're listed as remote. Like it's like a positions, remote companies. Yeah, it's like remote, but it's 
it's not. And then, and then it gets more confusing. To me, the hardest part, it's almost like if some people are remote on your team, not even in the company, like you said, because there are different fields that maybe some people do need to be there. But to me, it's like if your team is all remote, it's a lot easier than this weird hybrid model because I know one of the things that was hard for me at Pepsi when I left, I was working remotely for my team back in New York. And it was a little bit easy because I'd had these relationships. The longer that I was gone, like everybody else was still in the office sort of having those one-off meetings and just kind of like jumping together and huddling together or talking by their desk and I wasn't there. But when everybody is remote on the team, it's like, okay, we all have to jump on this Zoom call. We all have to purposefully choose these things. So there's a weird in-between that I do think does make things harder for people. So it's kind of like this, it's almost like one foot in the door, one foot out the door, and then people are complaining because that actually isn't great in my in my opinion. But when everybody is remote, and then you're working around doing that, you can make it work. Number three is one of the things, getting back to the things that they're not going to tell you, one of the reasons why they're pushing for the return to office is actually they want you to quit. There are, it's called a soft layoff. It's happening a lot right now. And actually the office environment industry is, is tough right now. There are a lot of layoffs happening. There's a lot of hiring freezes and there's a lot of layoffs. You're, you're seeing that a lot in agencies and, and things like that. And instead of going through the process of firing people, which is difficult, there's legal issues with it, there's severance issues with it. If you just force employees to do something that they really, really don't want to do, like go back into an office, just make it so uncomfortable for them that they don't want to work anymore, they'll quit. And that's just called a soft layoff. They're, they're basically giving them an ultimatum, knowing that they're going to quit and saving them the trouble of firing them and going through that entire process. Yeah. So it's, it's really it's kind of a sneaky, brilliant move. It's really smart. I think from a financial standpoint and from just a labor intensive standpoint of firing people, uh, just getting people to quit is, is really clean hands. Like I've got, oh, they quit. It's not my fault kind of thing. And they've, they've got no no repercussions right. whatsoever. You're saying because they're making, like when you say you've had the freedom, return to office, come back, people are going to want to quit because they've had the freedom and don't want to go back. It's happening, yeah. There's lots yeah. and lots of these soft layoffs happening right now. They just, and it'll be yeah. for people that pandemic went, moved away, you know, they moved somewhere, somewhere cheaper, might've moved somewhere to the Midwest or something. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you got to come back to the office. Well, Fuck you. I'm in Ohio. No, I'm not coming back. I'm not going back to San Francisco. Like, I've got a new life. Um, or like, you know, maybe they're all now they're homeschooling their kids because, oh, yeah, I'm used to this. I've been working from home for three years and now I can't live the life that I've now created for myself. So they'll make it impossible to live the life that you're currently living. Yeah without finding another job. So it's, it makes it really easy for them. Yeah, it almost reminds me of playing the game, you know, like, like the game of chicken. If you're like two people, like, but like driving two cars like at each other and it's like waiting, like who's going to pull off first? It kind of reminds me like, or, or you crash, right? Um, and I have several good friends. Uh, so I don't know why, all the, all the New York examples, they think like it's just like so many intense corporations there that really live by all of these, these kind of things you're saying. But I have several friends I can think of who are just like, please, like, I'm waiting to get laid off. Like, I want to get laid off. I want the severance package. Just do it because they didn't want to return to office. They didn't want to go back. And like the companies just didn't do it. They're like, come on, come on back here. And they were like, no. So it's it's real. And it is exactly like, I don't know why it it is so complicated yet to fire people or then companies do owe so much money for those severance packages so a lot of it is just like kind of like releasing dead weight from companies and disguising it as as return to office in this way so not necessarily every company is doing that but it is it is real it is definitely a reality the next one is control so i think um and this one is uh zero data this is me just going <laughs> off i i have a i have a okay theory. this is your gut feel, this is Jeff. my gut feel. <laughs> So it could be complete. I'm I'm open to you tearing it apart like a wet bag. Like it it could be there could be nothing to it. Okay. But I I I have a gut feel that a lot of middle management director level people don't contribute a lot to the organization other than babysitting their employees. And if their employees are all remote, they've got no control. Like what is how do they justify their own existence? if they're not controlling their employees. And I think I think a lot of people in management position are control freaks. 
And when they don't have that control, they, they have, they've lost all their power in their life and all their, they're at their, at a professional capacity and they need somebody to control. And if somebody's at home and they can't reach them immediately, how can they justify what job they're doing? Right. Like they report to their seniors. Oh yeah. I got everybody working today. Everyone's being productive. And when, when they don't have that, when they don't have that, they don't, they don't have anybody to micromanage anymore. Um, what do they have? You've got just like this empty, uh, you've got this very top heavy type of organization that's super bloated salaries of people not doing anything. I remember just like thinking back to the corporate days when I was working in an office or a, a couple different companies with the middle management people just not doing anything. Like they just contributed absolutely <laughs> nothing other than let's have one-to-ones with my employees and let's make notes of what they're doing and report up to my seniors. Like, what do you actually do? What do you contribute? And when those meetings didn't happen, weren't happening, they had nothing to do. They had literally nothing to do. Uh, so I think there is, I think there is a control aspect coming from middle management to like director level that, that again, it uh, goes back to like a feel type of thing, this productivity, like I'm doing something, I'm valuable. And when you take that away, they've got nothing. What I have to say that is, I I love it. It hasn't been, so it's, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking back to my personal experience, um, like in in big corporate America, big corporate worlds. And I was at a company where I feel like our middle management actually did work a lot and did a ton. Um, So for that part of the process, I'm sure it does exist in many companies that like they're just there to manage other people doing work and you could, could remove them. Um, it wasn't my personal experience, but even with that, I do think the control part was still relative where it's just kind of like, if they can't see you doing work, they're like, are, are you doing this? Are you there? Are you not? And I remember even in my days at Pepsi, because so uh, a bunch of like the younger people all lived in, in Manhattan in the city and like the kind of older middle management we'll call it, employees mostly lived in Connecticut. And we all sort of met in the middle at this big office complex and it was a big commute for a lot of us and so any days we could work remotely from home even if it was like a Friday every now and then we would try to and I remember a lot of bosses I had were so hesitant to let me work from home on those Fridays and I was like why like what like what is this and I think it's kind of what you're saying it's like they can't see me they don't know if I am I doing something all the time am I just like taking a nap in the middle of the day like you know, I, I don't know. I think it is part of that control issue there. So I can see it in that sense. But I guess either way, whether they are useful or not in their jobs, it's it's I know you're kind of saying those people could be removed. And if you let us all out of office, that's going to be more. <laughs> you frame it like I'm, a, I'm uh, setting up the next purge of mid- <laughs> the purge movie for middle management. Yes, purge of middle, <laughs> purge of middle, middle management. You heard it first from, from, from Jeff here on Beach Commute. Um, so I'm sure that is, it. like, that might be some of the story for some people. But even without that, I think people just have control mm. issues and want to see you physically doing things. Very and school. it's interesting because, again, mm. it's like you're not always doing things in the office. And even as I, I was sitting here yesterday doing work, like, there's times where... Like, I'm sick right now. I'm not feeling my best. And I remember days where I was stuck in an office at Pepsi being like, I just want to take a nap. Like, I'm tired. I don't feel well. Or if I could just sit and close my eyes for 15 minutes, I would be able to get this work done so much better. But I was kind of like stuck there just having to look good at a, you know, like upright at a desk and whatever. And I was just so great. Still to this day, I'm so grateful where I was like, I'm just going to go sit in the sun and sit outside on deck for like 15 minutes. And then we come back and I'm going to work so much better, but you can't really do that in an office. So anyway, I feel like people do have control because again, it's like, gotcha, you weren't working those 15 minutes or like I might go put my laundry in and then come back and, and be happy that I can work. So anyway, there is a lot of control over like what it's, it's like the optics of it all. And, and they want control over seeing what you're doing and just being able to, it's like little puppets almost, but yeah, mine's like a little bit of a different, but kind of telling us. The productivity thing is is a interesting topic because we we think that, or well, maybe I don't think, but I think there's an old school way of thinking that you can go into an office and just work eight hours. But the brain doesn't work that way because we know people are productive in streaks. Uh, we know people are productive at different times of the day. Um, and we also know some days are just not productive or in like in your, in your instance, 
maybe it takes something that's not work related to get you into a productive space. Like you could be having just a total shit morning. It's like nothing's working. My brain's not firing. But if you went out and took an hour and a half to take a walk, go for a run or something and come back, all of a sudden you could knock out like four hours of solid. You could knock out four hours of solid work that would have taken you 16 hours of staring at your computer in frustration. But you'll never get that in an office environment. You won't be able to take that hour and a half. They'd be like, no, you sit in front of your computer and suffer. Right. And just like, yeah, yeah, it looks bad. You're like, oh, you're just like wandering outside. You're just sitting against the sitting on the floor here. Like, what are you, what are you doing? But it's that's part of the creativity process. And it does depend on the type of job. Right. But um, it makes a big, big difference. And I know for me, like you said, if I can't solve a problem and I'm here, I'm like, you know what? All right, computer shut. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to get out and I come back and I really can do more. Maybe one day I'm just not productive for whatever reason until 2 p.m. And then I can start at 2 p.m. It's um, it's tricky. So that's even different, too. I know, like, even if you do work remote, you may not have that complete flexibility. But I, I know as a entrepre- like an entrepreneur, especially, I had to re- really re like uh cha- i guess challenge myself and my beliefs of sitting down at a computer from nine to five does not equal product like productivity and when i'm responsible for my own productivity and this is what i'm choosing to do it's like there's a whole new story like you said of like some days i might start working at two because that's when my brain decides to like all right we got it we're ready to go because maybe i spent all morning thinking about like a problem or journaling about it or writing about it or going for a walk and then and then the creativity comes and then i do the execution and it looks like i'm not doing anything but actually it's so much better than if i had just been sitting at my computer trying to like make something happen a lot of it does kind of all roads do go back to that kind of conversation and it's uh it's really interesting because we try to try to make this this blanket mandate for everybody these are the hours but it should be case by case basis. If you really want to get the most happiness and productivity out of somebody, you sh- there should be some level of trust. And a lot of this, again, comes back to a lack of trust in your employees. And that causes a, a, a multitude of problems that I don't want to get into. It's like people quitting, people not being happy, just people suffering uh, five days a week, which is not good for the company. It's not good for them should trust your employees. Like I would tell my employees, they, they come to me and say, Hey, can I, can I take an hour off? Cause I I'm feeling a little sick and rest my eyes. Like, don't even ask me, just do it. Like, can I take a sick day off? Don't ask me, just tell me you're not coming in. Cause I know I trust them. And I also told them, I don't care what hours you work. The only thing that I care about, you have to make your meetings and you also have to be Productive. You got numbers you got to hit. I don't care how you hit those numbers. If you work really fast and you you can do eight hours of work worth in three hours and you hit your numbers and exceed them, what are we talking about? Is there even a conversation to right. be had here? And it, I guess it, it does depend, I guess, Jeff, on the, on the type of job, right? If someone's just kind of responsible for doing work, like it doesn't matter when they do it theoretically or like as long as you, you know, have those meetings and you have your meetings. But there are other jobs that you were like, I do need to be able to reach you, like, on, like at a random moment or like I'm going to something comes up and I need to know you're there to respond to something. Right. So it really does depend on the type of job. I think that's also what scares people is like for those types of jobs, let's say I don't need you. I don't need you. But in a moment, like I need to be able to call on you to do something. And if I don't know where you are, what you're doing, I think a lot of people have a fear of like, I, I can't reach you. It's not useful, but I know if you're in the office, I can like hunt you down and, and find you. And I know you're, you'll be there and I'll do it. So I think, like you said, it really is dependent, you know, every job is different, every situation is different, every person is different, and we talk a lot about in, in other episodes, and we'll move off from, on from this one in a second, but with Nomad Life, it's like, you really have to show your employer that it's like, you can reach me still, here's how, you have this, 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 I'll be here, you can, I'll do this, even if I'm not there, I'll respond, I'll get right back to my computer, like, whatever that looks like for you, there are ways to combat it, but again, I understand the mentality, which is like, I need to know you're there and available when I need you. And you don't have to be in an office to do that. But it's, it's yeah, you do lose that control of like knowing for certain that you can find someone sitting in that desk chair at their label desk with their name on it, like a, a good little school, you know, uh, child that they should be. Um, but it's just like we're, we're so much happier in the real world. And if we're adults and you are, you know, like a reliable person, you know how to reach someone. They're kind of bleeding. They're kind of bleeding together at this point. There's a couple, I think we're establishing a couple of common threads, productivity, control, yeah. trust, all these issues that are yeah. like just, this kind of yeah. uh, creating a monster. 
Okay, so number five is some people just like yeah. The Office better and they want people to come back. It's just yeah. a, they thrive in that environment. I, I know some people that were extreme extroverts that just absolutely thrive in an office environment. I don't know <laughs> that they're productive because yeah. they're socializing all the time. And that's an aspect of it. Some of these people get their socialization fix by going into the office. And honestly, they miss it. And they want, they're going to use some of these reasons that we talked about as a guy's to get their life back because that's what they are used to and they they want it back. Um, and if they're higher up in the organization, they're going to have a lot more pull in the way that they disguise this need that they have in their life. Like they're going to use one of these things we talked about. They're going to use uh, productivity. They're going to use trust. They're going to use control as manipulators to get people back to the office so they can have their life back. Because some people, to be honest, like some people didn't do well when they started working from home. Some people really, really did suffer. They, the extreme extroverts had some trouble. Like there were some people that were not doing so well mentally at the beginning of the pandemic. It was, it was a little bit different because people couldn't leave the house. They couldn't go to restaurants. They, could, they couldn't see their friends. Maybe not a, a great example, but just the work aspect maybe afterwards once the world opened back up and they still didn't go back to the office. People were not, people, some people suffered mentally. And I, I think certain people long for the old days of the office. Maybe like they liked dressing up and they liked putting on their work suit and they liked the happy hours afterwards, you know, and they liked the coffee breaks and the smoke breaks and all that kind of stuff. And they, they just want, they want things to go back to normal. So it's just a same Uber and taxi, Blockbuster, Netflix, just please let me have, let me have my teddy bear back just give it back i don't i don't want things to go back to i don't want things to go to this new normal and they're hanging on by a thread again just a, a gut check on that one yeah no i i do fully agree with this one and it's like a personal preference for some people and not others so there's two thoughts i have with this one the first is uh example my example back uh when i was at pepsi again it was for us it was sort of like the young new people versus like the older people, a lot of them mostly who had kids or just kind of wanted, like, did like the office to fill their social cup or to get away from their children. So there was a lot of days where we had holidays or um, just like a Friday where we where a lot of people weren't required to go into the office or something like that. And a lot of people on my team who were older and had kids would choose to go to the office. And again, at this time, I was like 22, 23, 24, 25 years old. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going to the office? And it was so funny. Like, I just couldn't comprehend it back then. But I mean, I get it more now. But they just, like, they couldn't get work done at home because their kids would bother them. They would ask them a million questions. It was loud. It was whatever. And for them, like, their oasis was the office. Like, they could escape that sort of, like, family and children. Not that they didn't love their children and want to go back eventually. But, like, they liked having that day away. And so there are people like that for various reasons that do like the office. Or, like you said, want that socialness. And there was a lot of people during COVID. Um, I had some friends who were like, I, I miss the office. Like, or had a remote job and looking for new jobs in an office. And I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, I'm, I'm lonely at home. Like, I want to go. I'm actually excited to have coworkers and go into an office again. I was like, have you heard of coworking? Like, have you seen my life? Like, when I think about us, the way we live in other countries, and I might be working, you know, with 10 friends around me who are not working on the same thing, but like, they're around me, so I'm not lonely. And to me, I would rather have the freedom to like choose when and where I go and like choose the people I want around me or go to a coffee shop to fill that than be required to like I personally can't understand that but definitely as we've seen like there are situations whether it's again parents with kids or just extreme extroverts or people who don't have as much like a social cup otherwise who do like the office and so for that reason like you said They'll make these up these other reasons and it's like we all need to come back because it does serve some people um i was talking to someone recently whose ceo just like loved the office like fill his cup is filled by talking to people he's old school and made makes everybody go in just because of that it's like his rules and he gets to make those rules but but like you don't have to go you know, you don't have to subscribe to that. There are plenty of remote companies that you can choose to go to. So yeah, those are um, my, my two sort of thoughts with that is like, there's other ways to fill that if that's you. 
And there are people who just love it. And it doesn't mean you should have to go to, but you know, you get to choose the company you work for. Yeah, I, I also don't relate to the needing to fill up my cup by going to the office thing either. But I'm also not going to hold the entire company hostage to what I need. Right? Like, just because you need that in the office doesn't mean everybody come in to play with me, like, or I'm going to take my ball and go home. It's like, no, come on, don't. That's insanely selfish. And especially if you're disguising it as one of these productivity or creativity mandates, like it's, if just, just say, be honest with yourself. I like that office environment better. Um, sorry, like, Go work somewhere where it, it has to you have to be in an office where there's no other way getting around it. You're holding everybody else hostage. It's just you, you've got all of these people that don't want to be there pretending to be your friends now. Well, how satisfying is that going to be? None of them want to be there. A lot of times you don't you don't want to hear about these office gossip stuff. It's like, no, come on. That's not real life. That's not a way to live. Okay, we're going to finish it off with one more reason that they're telling you to come back into the office, and that's creativity. And this one is really, really tough because a lot of companies are saying, the statement is, people are more creative and collaborative in the office. Yet, all the companies that are using this as the reason to come back to the office are doing this based on their mood rings. They're not using any sort of data whatsoever. They're just saying like, uh, it just kind of feels like it. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a couple examples. Let's see. Uh, Roblox. Do you know of Roblox? I know the name of it, but I don't know Create what they do now. Digital World's fully online digital company, right? <laughs> they told employees that okay. like yeah, they, they, if employees didn't return to work at least three days a week during this hybrid thing that you're talking about, they're going to be laid off. The reason for this, CEO uh, David Bazuki's blog post announcing the move said it's about his vibes. I personally hoped that for our culture and our type of work, it might be possible to imagine a heavily hybrid remote culture. But there's a pivotal moment where I had our first post-quarantine in-group gathering. Then 45 minutes, I came away with three separate conversations with spontaneous do's and ideas put in motion, something that hadn't happened in the last few years of video meetings. So he had one good 45-minute meeting, and he's going to make everybody come back to the office or fire them. If that's not the definition of an anecdote, I don't really know what is. Uh, Nike now has a four-day-a-week policy. says it points to the power and energy that comes from working together in person. Again, another very, very soft reason. Geico uh, says they want to foster a sense of community and connection. So they want to create a family for you. Okay, great. But offered little data to support this decision. The only numbers in the announcement appeared to be layoffs. Geico said they're letting 2,000 people go to sustain profitability and growth. So the problem is a lot of these, these are coming from the top down, right? These, These vibe checks can only come from people on the power to make a vibe check and make a, a, a global decision like this. And they're coming from executives and stuff. And they're not going to be subject to the same kind of like check-ins that normal workers in the, in the middle are going to be subjected to. Nobody's asking Jeff Bezos to come in. He's going to come and go when he wants, but when he comes in, he wants everybody there. Right. So it's a, it's a one, it's a completely one way street and it's based completely on feelings. There's, Nowhere in my research have I been able to find anything that states people are more creative or more collaborative when they're in an office environment. Yeah, so there are certain instances where I've been in meetings in person, and um, I don't know if it's because the meetings tend to last a little, they can last a little longer when you're in person. Things start to pop up um, more. But I've been in meetings in person where I was like, oh, yeah, that was that was really creative. I've also been in meetings online where it's like that was also really creative. Um, so I I think it has more to do with engagement, people being engaged in the topic or the, the task at hand to contribute something than it does physically being there. And I, find, I tend to find sometimes when you're physically there, some type A personalities can completely can over dominate a conversation with their presence and stifle creativity. Like if the boss is in the room, his idea is right. Is that a good idea? And everyone's just nodding their heads because 
he's such a looming presence in person. Yeah, this one, I feel like it goes back, I can't remember which one, where it was sort of like a moot point, like you can have pros and cons either way. I think sometimes there is a power of collaboration when you're in person, but I've also, like, I think about us at Beach Commute, like we, the three of us have, I don't think we've actually been in the same place together since we started our business. Is that? Uh, we were in Romania. Well, not all three of us together, actually. I was with you in Romania and I left and like two days later, Diego came and you two were together and we've created this whole, you know, entire world of, of Beach Key and amazing ideas and some of the like meetings that the three of us have online are super creative and collaborative and all of these things. So I think it takes effort. It takes intention to, you know, it's not like, oh, let's all just kind of like be here. We're in a room, like come, come gather. Let's just like hop in here. You have to say like, hey, are you available this time? Like, let's hop on this screen. Um, but it doesn't stop you know, collaboration, it doesn't stop creativity. And I think there's sort of two different parts of it there, the creativity part. um, I find that like when I have that time alone or the space or the freedom or traveling or changing environments, I'm much more creative than if I'm just in the same office day in, day out, every day, tired from the commute, tired from whatever. So the collaboration piece, I can sometimes see value in that of like getting to know people like you get you work better with people who you know well so I think it just takes intention online like some of the things that happen naturally saying hi to someone in the morning you know eating your snacks together by the water cooler or whatever it is right that does form those relationships that can then become collaborative but I think like if you intentionally build that and it does take intention online in a different way uh, you can form it in the same way and I think some of the online like we all know we get tired from zoom like a zoom meeting isn't the same as being in person with people sometimes but to me it's like the benefits that you get from that do not outweigh all of the freedoms and the joy and the creativity and just like the joy of life that people have so I do see I won't be like a hundred percent I do see some value sometimes in being together in a room with someone like you can just kind of like one off like it's, it's almost like sometimes um, the ideas come like when the meeting stops and you're just like chatting with someone afterwards for a couple minutes that maybe you don't get when you're close your computer and you're just in your home and nobody's there. So there are a couple of benefits, but to me, it just doesn't um, outweigh all of the, the pros of being remote in general. It's like maybe you get like you said, with that one example, it's like maybe there is that one little glimmer, but it's like one one minute of the, you know, compared to, I don't know, 30 days that you don't get those benefits. So it's not, there's, there is no benefit to being in person occasionally, but to me, it's like, it's not as extreme as people say. And I think the creativity that you get being away and just the, to get the pleasures, the joy, the life lived is far better than, I don't know, than any little, little kind of thing you can get. So to me, if you're running a remote company, you just, you have to be more intentional about forming those relationships, setting the times to just have a creativity, like to have a brainstorm, to have a, and like I think about the three of us at Beach Kingdom, me, you and Diego, like the brainstorms that we've had online are very collaborative. They're very creative. They're very fun. Like they're like, we still find a way. So it, again, it takes intention, but you can do it. Yeah, that's a good point. And when you work in remote, it takes a little bit extra work because when you're in office, you can just, people are there physically. It's like, grab them. Okay, let's take quick 30 minutes like it doesn't it doesn't really work that way online you can't have those spontaneous moments so there is an aspect to this it's like somewhat true but just taking this <laughs> we'll give you a little win yeah return to office you get, i'll give you <laughs> i'll give you yeah I'll, I'll extend an olive branch but i'm gonna take it away again like you did like you can't make an entire company policy based on one anecdotal uh, piece of evidence some one good you had one good meeting and all of a sudden it's like you justified everything that you already believed that's that's not how these things work right and and ultimately yeah well you say you can't make a you can't make a they call it a, a rule about that but people can offices are leaders are ceos are so it's like they can do that and i would say if you're listening you can choose not to work for those companies and it's sort of like people say you know vote with your dollar when you're saying you know, buy organic food or buy whatever brands. I think for this, it's like vote with your desire to work for remote companies because those are going to be starting to, they're going to get better talent. They're going to lose the good employees. And it's like, they can choose to keep doing that, but you don't have to opt in. You don't have to participate. You can find remote jobs. You can have the freedom. And I think the more people who put their foot down and do that and say that and see that there is another way to live life, 
to me, it's just, it's like Blockbuster's closing. Yes, we did like to stop into that store and browse whatever. There were benefits to that. But like Netflix came along and we're like, we see all the benefits and we're not going back, right? We're not going back to Blockbuster. So I think it's kind of the same where, of course, there's little benefits here and there. Um, but overall, just the life quality that people get, it's like you can choose and say, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I want freedom. And, and companies can exist and can work and can do these things remotely. Yeah, ultimately, I think these companies that are not embracing change or at, least acknowledge, at the very least acknowledging it, are weakening themselves. They are, you're right, they are gonna lose the talent. They're gonna lose the trust of the talent that they actually retain, that they're not forcing to quit. Yeah, they're gonna suffer. Maybe they renew their leases that they don't even need. And they've got, again, more, five more years of overhead and for no good reason whatsoever, other than a vibe check. It's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. It feels very much like just burying your head in the sand and, and hoping things go back to normal. Things aren't going back to normal. It was already moving in this direction. And then the pandemic just put the foot on the gas pedal. And it's really in at full speed now. Like it's, um, yeah, I, I, actually, I just sent out a statistic to our newsletter yesterday. It showed, um, I think we're at the point now where pre-pandemic we had 7 million digital nomads, and this is not going to be exact. It's going to be close, though. And now we're at 17 million U.S.-based. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that number's just for America, like U.S. digital nomads, not even worldwide. Yeah. And 72 million people want to be digital nomads. That's not remote workers. They don't want to be remote workers. They want to be digital nomads. They want to be remote workers and traveling. That's more than a fifth of the population. It's 22% of the entire population wow. in the United States wants to be a digital nomad. So this is, this is, com- this is, com- and <laughs> what that says is only one out of yeah. five have done so. Right. So and we're not even, right. I'm not even calculating in remote work, which is probably a bigger chunk of the pie here. So, um, it's common. Right. And if you bury your head in the sand, if you're yeah. a small business owner mm-hmm. thinking, how do I structure my business? And you're listening to this, I, I'm not an expert in structuring a business, but I, I can see a train coming when I'm standing in the train tracks. Like it's, it's common. <laughs> so don't ignore yeah. it. Like the people want this. They're voting with their actions right now. Yeah. You will lose the good talent out there because this is, this is absolutely coming. Yeah. It does remind, I think that the, the taxi analogy you gave is such a good one. Like there's so many like you know, airports who are banning Uber or banning this. And it's like, eventually it's going to take over, like change with the times, you know, and the times we're like, we're just kind of in that in-between time where people are still trying to hold on and keep the old industry, but it's, yeah, it'll, it'll change. It'll keep changing. So yeah. What's your, what's your overall takeaway and your message to anyone who's listening to this today, Jeff? I would say if, if you are getting an RTO mandate now at your current company. Re- return to office. Is yes. RTO. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Getting really deep into it now, aren't I? Using acronyms. Just consider the reasons why they told you so and see if any of this resonates with you. And honestly, if even if even if you don't want to dig into it anymore and you just don't like the idea that they've got a return to office or they've got a mandatory hybrid policy, just jump ship there's life's too short you know yeah. like we've just get it oh man this is <laughs> this sounds cheesy as hell to get under to segue <laughs> into our email list it's what we do it jump it's ship. it's what we do life's we help short. people get yeah. fully remote jobs that actually that are fully fully remote yeah. that let you travel the world um so get on our email list beachcommute.com backslash email we send out two fully remote jobs, fully vetted jobs every week that you can apply for and you would be able to work remote and also travel the world if you wanted to do so. So like, just skip it, forget, maybe just forget all the reasons why they're, they're telling you to come back. Cause they're probably not good ones and just get a fully remote job and, and travel and don't waste your time anymore. Cause life's too short to be doing this kind of stuff. I would say, I love what you said there, which is just like, life's too short. There are other options. That is what we help with. So if you're not already on our Email us at jeffs at beachcommute.com slash email. We send out these jobs that you can literally do from anywhere. And on top of that, as a coach, I know what I hear a lot of people say and a lot of our beach commuters have said, and maybe you feel this way too, is like, I don't have remote skills. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I'm not hireable. You are. I would say plain and simple, you are, period, like end of statement. And there's a lot of excuses, a lot of reasons your brain will tell you you haven't done it yet. 
Um, but the jobs that we send out are doable for many people. Anyone can. There is absolutely something that you can do. So don't give up. Start to look at the jobs. Start to browse them. Start to see what resonates with you. Start to see what you feel like you can do and have the courage to make that change. If you're just saying, like, I, I have been made to return to office. My office, or I, I never got to, or whatever that might be. If you want this, if you want this freedom, and if you want to travel the world or have the freedom to do so, you can. And that's that's a... My my rant for the day, and uh, we love to help. I you thought do that. I thought yeah. of the second point is that be wary of job listings that say they're remote and they're not actually remote, mm. and that's another reason to get on the email yes, list yes, is because yes. we screen for those that are not legitimate remote jobs. You'll yeah. find out like halfway through the interview process. Oh, by the way, we're going hybrid, or we are hybrid, or like we won't let you work yeah. anywhere in the world, or you're you're limited to working in California remote. It's like, well, that's not very helpful. Um, be wary of those. Um, we screen for those too. We just basically with our free remote travel jobs, um, that we send out, we're just cutting out all the work of going through thousands and thousands of job listings of bad companies, bad job listings, and just sending you through the qualified ones that we know after having done this for years and years and years and years are going to be good jobs for you to work and travel. It's a good point. I have, we've heard that from a lot of beach commuters who we've ended up helping. A lot of people in our Nomad Career Accelerator, for example, and, and everyone said, like, I'm, I feel like I'm searching for all these jobs. And they, it's like a, a trick. It's like they say they're remote. It's like remote, remote this, remote that. And then once you click into it or dig into it or spend time or, like you said, even start interviewing, you don't find out until later. It's like it is remote from your home, like you said, in California or in Texas or in you know, Romania, wherever you might be, it's like you have to stay in your one place because they're not flexible about all sorts of other things, which is another another story for another day. So yeah, there's a big difference between remote worldwide where you literally can be anywhere you want and remote from your home and your state or your city or your town and you cannot leave. And it's uh, it does take a lot of digging to do and we have a whole team of people in place at Beach Commute who are digging through those, who are searching. So if you want to save yourself some time, that, that is literally what we do. So 100% agree with that one, Jeff. And with that, I feel like, man, we really covered this one. So this is a little bit different, a little bit different topic than we normally cover, but Jeff is really passionate about this one. The return to office is, is our enemy, is Jeff's personal, very personal enemy. So if you feel this way too, we hope you like this episode, let us know. Um, we know we'll also get back to all the, the job and uh, location episodes that you guys love. If you have anything else that you want to hear from us, write us in at hello at beachcommute.com. We love your suggestions. We do take them. Feel free to leave us a review, the five stars, the subscribe, the thumbs up, all the things. And with that, I think we'll see you next week. Okay, see you next week. Okay.